Hey, what is going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. In case you do not know, this is a second podcast I do in two different places. I do this in a visual form on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel, as well as in a audio-only form, well, like an actual podcast, which is available on most major podcasting platforms. Simply look up Mario's Minute, and you should hopefully be able to subscribe and listen there and take it wherever the hell you want to. Now, this is a podcast where I talk about really whatever the hell I want to talk about, whatever I'm feeling. Sometimes I have a guest, sometimes I don't. I'm going to have to admit to you all, uh, unfortunately, I'm breaking my streak here again. I try and do it so every other month I have a guest on, and this month I am going solo yet again. Last month I went solo, this month I'm going solo, and it's it's completely me on this point, all right? Uh, I really didn't reach out to anyone. I did not, um, obviously, since I didn't reach out to anyone, there wasn't any, like, you know, weird scheduling conflicts or any, uh, any declines on there. It just kind of came down to I was actually pretty busy behind the scenes this past month. Uh, And then there were times as well, too, where, you know, on occasion, I'm not sure if people have this. I I personally identify as a social introvert where I really like interacting and talking with people. But sometimes I just need to charge my batteries. And I've noticed especially, you know, during the past year or so, there's been times if I'm really hanging out with somebody for, you know, a long extended period of time, could be a few days, could be a week or two, something like that, as long as we're safe and everything, but I need to recharge my batteries even longer. And, you know, some of that happened as well too this past month. So uh, there was even just times I didn't want to talk to anyone. I really didn't want to do anything. I just, I quite literally had to do nothing. And it was kind of like after I did that for a long enough time, it was it literally felt like recharging my batteries. Like as in, I was kind of in a lower mood, didn't really feel like talking to anyone, wasn't really responding to messages, didn't really feel like doing certain things. And then after a long enough time of kind of just getting my recharge time in, I kind of bounced back and I was back to normal. So I really just needed that. But a part of that kind of came down to, uh, well, not finding a guest for this month either. Because on top of that, I'm even, (laughs) I'm recording this on the 27th, it's going to go out on the 28th, and I'm literally doing this between other things that I need to do right now, some of it that I I might get into on here, so uh, don't worry, it's all good stuff, there's nothing bad going on here, but it was just, I figured with this month, with April, it's going to be just behind the scenes, so busy and hectic, and also, hey, I need some downtime on here, uh, that I just figured it's going to be a lot easier, and probably just less erratic for even the guests as well, too, if I just skip out this month. Uh, So next month, I will try and bring a guest on. Uh, That's kind of the long spiel of it there. So that's been going on. Now, one of the things I did want to talk about here was I've done this a few times, but I want to kind of give a little bit of a uh, COVID update. Now, uh, one thing that did end up happening here was uh, in the United States, at least. Now, this happened to me earlier, thankfully, but in the United States, I believe it was uh, it was about mid-April or so. Uh, that's where it was said that anybody who was eligible, we pretty much went to phase five for the vaccine rollout, where saying, I believe leave at least with uh, Moderna and uh, Pfizer if you're 16 or over you can get vaccinated. If you're doing Johnson Johnson, uh, you can get vaccinated if you're 18 and over. Uh, but thankfully, a few weeks prior, I was actually able to get my first shot and I want to kind of share my experiences on that. So what happened was uh, a few weeks prior to that, 
my state ended up opening up, uh, just, you know, kind of fast forwarding on there. And they said, hey, uh, we are going to be going to final phase here. So we're going to be opening up uh, a shot for everybody who is eligible. Uh, you don't need to be a certain age unless, well, I mean, the shot, like the Pfizer one I got, you have to be at least 16. But the point is, you don't have to, you know, be uh, in a service job. You don't have to be elderly. You don't have to have pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, none of that. And even so, from people I've talked to who've had to go through those processes as well, just the whole, um, how do I say the whole process of having a pre-existing medical condition, a lot of times, a lot of times, they were more just trying to get people vaccinated. They didn't really want to do all the nitty-gritty there, so they weren't going to ask for paperwork or double, triple checking anything. It was kind of more going on the honor system, where you could even have something like, if you had high blood pressure, there you go, that's a pre-existing medical condition. And when you go there, they just ask, hey, are you signed up? Have you been qualified for this? You say yes, and you get your shot, you wait 15 minutes, you go off. So that's what ended up happening with me. Uh, now, not with all of that. I waited until it was open for everyone uh, because I, I just want to, you know, be kind of good about that morally. Because uh, I, thankfully, I'm in a position, I don't have any pre-existing medical conditions. I don't have a, you know, compromised immune system, nothing else. So I was just very clear with people, with friends and family. I said, when it's my turn, I'll get a shot. And boy, I did get it, you know, once I was able to take my turn. So once it was all opened up, I decided to look on some websites and one that I've actually been recommending that I use that I've recommended to friends and family and they've been able to use successfully has been vaccinespotter.org. I'm not at all affiliated with them in any way, shape or form. I just think uh, they were probably one of the best, if not the best websites I use to actually look for and successfully find a vaccine and get my appointment set up. So what happened was I ended up finding one. Now, if I got up earlier that day or if I tried earlier or even if I tried a few days later, I just didn't want to keep trying, though, was my thing. I kind of just wanted to get it over with. Now, I probably could have gotten it closer, but unfortunately, I had to get it. The closest place that I could schedule my vaccine appointments was going to be about an hour away from me, uh, but it was a place that I've been familiar with. So I said, you know what? I don't mind this drive. And that's about like my hour, like my, my limit. I'm like, you know, like two hours round trip. I don't mind it for like, sure, it's going to be for my health. Um, and that's fine. Also, it's it's just kind of an excuse to drive my car for a couple hours. So what happened was I booked my first appointment. Uh, I think I booked on a Monday. It was going to be on a Wednesday. So on a Wednesday evening, I drove out. Uh, I ended up going there. I, you know, just checked into the pharmacy, got my shot. It took like a minute or two to get it. Like, and it, it was about pain wise. It was like the same as a flu shot. So no big deal. And I absolutely hate needles, by the way. So I tell, you know, the people injecting me, Hey, I absolutely hate needles. I'm going to be looking away. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, but I had even joked about it as well too. Like when I was telling the person after they uh, gave me the shot, I was like, Oh, well, there we go. There's the microchip. And the guy even laughed. He's like, Oh yeah, your number. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So we were kind of having a fun time there, but either way I, I drove there. I got my shot. Uh, as I was coming back, I stopped by a gas station. I got some of the crazy new Mountain Dew flavors, which they're okay. In all honesty, they're okay. Kind of just as a treat for myself and then drove back. Uh, then about three, three and a half weeks later, uh, the same thing had happened then. Uh, now, I was trying to schedule both of them for Fridays. 
Unfortunately, I was not able to get that for the both. I actually had them locked in, and then right at the end, my first shot said, oh, hey, uh, you can't book that Friday appointment because it's been taken already. And I was using it just in case I had the side effects of any sort, so I could use the weekend to recover. Uh, but it's been all good, and I'll get into that as well, too. And I, I want to talk about this because uh, some people, you know, regardless of how you feel, you might, you know, you might want to get the vaccine, you might want to wait, whatever it is. Uh, all I know is that I, I, I think... I personally, if it's not obvious enough, I, I believe in the vaccine to the point where I did get it. I have told friends, I've told family about it, I've recommended websites, and even one of my friends, he straight up told me, he said that uh, when he found out I got my vaccine and my family got theirs and, you know, we've seen little to no issue on them, uh, then he decided to get his. So I'm really happy about that, and maybe that can uh, happen here as well, too. We'll see, but... Regardless on that, regardless, either way, what I was talking about here was my second shot, uh, I had to go, and it was funny because it was the exact same thing, same place, I ended up driving out there, and when I went there, I was early, uh, I was actually super early, so I drove around town, I actually ended up getting something from a local shop, and then when I went there, I was about 10 minutes early, and they said, oh, uh, oh, well, um, we can give you the shot, but you're going to have to wait like 20, 30 minutes. We have to heat it up. And I said, oh, that's fine. They're like, well, if if you can't wait, you can come back tomorrow. I said, um, I don't really want to. I actually came from out of town. And they said, yeah, yeah, we, we saw you're from out of town. And when I talked with one of the other techs there, they said that I was actually the last one to show up because I was coming like at the end of the day. I was like literally 6.15 p.m. That was when my appointment was, and I was the last person to show up. And their vaccines, they, they come in, you know, batches, and the batches go bad after a bit. So they said, yeah, you know, we, we don't want to waste any vaccines. So if we have enough allocation to do six shots and there's six people here, awesome. But if we have enough allocation for six shots and only two people come in, you know, we, we don't want to open up a, a pack of six and waste for them. And I was like, you don't have to explain that to me. I totally get it. You all are doing your jobs. That's all good. Uh, but yeah, they said because I was the last one and they saw that I was from out of town, they weren't sure if I was going to make it. And then when they saw me, they said, yeah, you got to wait like 30 minutes. So I said, that that's totally cool. I need to use the bathroom real bad. I'm going to grab some food real quick and then I'll be back here. And that's exactly what I did. Um, and then it was great as well, too, because I had uh, brought my Switch with me to entertain me. I was playing Hades, which that's one of the games I've been playing here recently. And even then, when I was talking with the tech, this time around, uh, the person who gave me the shot, he was a younger guy. And he looked over. He's like, you know what? I never thought of that. I asked what he meant. He's like, your Switch. Like, I never thought of that. Like, there's there's so many times, like, I, I wait somewhere I could be doing something, and I never think to bring my Switch. And it's always, like, when I want to. And I said, exactly. That's why I've been bringing it more places recently. Like, there's several times where... I think I'm going to wait a while, and no, I end up waiting two minutes, or I don't think I need to bring my Switch, and I end up waiting somewhere like 30 minutes in line, and I wish I brought it with me, and I would rather, <laughs> I even told him, I was like, I'm playing Hades right now, so it's like, I'd rather be playing a game in hell than doom scrolling on social media, so he thought that was funny at least, but this was the thing he told me, and this is at least with Pfizer, and this is kind of why I wanted to share um, side effects as well too, um, because now granted this has been my experience that I'm talking about, and it seems like just like COVID, just like COVID, when it comes to the side effects for the vaccine, it seems to be like roulette for what you're going to get, so for me, he asked what my my side effects were, and I said, the first shot I got, my arm was a little bit sore for about 30 hours, and then it cleared up, and I didn't have anything else. 
And he kind of waited around. He said, okay, uh, you're probably going to have about the same side effects as before. Uh, it might be a little bit worse, maybe, but your side effects are probably going to be about the same as your first shot for your second shot. So I said, oh, that's fine. I already have this weekend here. So in case I feel really sick, it's all good. And he said, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But the fact that you're telling me, yeah, you didn't really have any major side effects the first time around, expect about the same for the second one. And that's actually what happened with me. I noticed that my second shot, which everyone seems to say the second shot is a lot worse. And I think that might be more with Moderna, but at least with me, with Pfizer, I noticed my arm was not as sore and it wasn't as sore for as long. I would say maybe like 20, 24 hours, it was a little bit sore. But the one thing I had the second time around that I didn't have the first time was I had some sniffles. And that lasted about as long as the arm pain. It was maybe like a day, day and a half, something like that. Uh, but regardless, those are the only side effects I had in total. Uh, some A slightly runny nose and uh, a sore arm. Now, I've even talked with other family members as well, too, where uh, there's been one family member, they had a little bit of a sore arm, and that's it. Another one had a little bit of a sore arm, that's it. Another family member I had uh, completely knocked them on their butt uh, for like two or three days. They just felt like fatigued, and they were tired, and, you know, kind of headache as well, too. One of my friends, he had the exact same thing, where it just completely knocked him on his butt, and he was just super fatigued, going to sleep at like 6 p.m., had major headaches, uh, but only for like two or three days, and then he was fine. Uh, now, I think with everyone that I'm talking about here, aside from me, I think everyone else did have Moderna, so that could be a difference on there, but I think kind of from what I've observed a bit, it seems like Pfizer seems to have less of the side effects. And I know that there's other vaccines as well, too, in different parts of the world. Um, like, for example, I know if you're in the Middle East, you're probably going to get, and I don't remember the name. Somebody on Twitter actually told me the name of it, uh, who was a gentleman from the Middle East, but I know it's a vaccine from China, and that actually seems to be fine. I have some family members who've gotten it. I actually even have one family member get this, where uh, this can certainly happen, like this, this has been documented, it can happen, you can still get COVID. And the idea would be, you would hopefully have a situation like this, this would be like worst case scenario, where I have a family member overseas, where he took the first shot, a few weeks later, he took the second shot. And then he was out, you know, out and about doing his thing. And not taking as many protections because he thought he was fully vaccinated. And that's not true. It doesn't fully kick in until maybe like two weeks after you get your second shot. But either way, uh, he ended up getting COVID maybe five or six days into after getting his second shot. And he ended up recovering and he is an older family member. But the doctors did not sugarcoat it. They told him, they're like, dude, if you didn't have that second vaccine when you got it, you would be dead right now. There's nothing else we can tell you. Like, thank goodness you got it. If you did not get that second shot, or if you got it and like immediately after you got it, they, they said it was just a matter of timing, but they pretty much said, if you did not have this vaccine in you, you would be dead. We would not be having this conversation. So that's certainly been good to know though. Um, <laughs> so that's that's been that with what's been going on. I kind of just wanted to share my uh, COVID experiences there, you could say. Aside from that, I guess the more positive stuff on there is I have been telling friends, I've said, hey, uh, I have a few friends I have not seen in a while, much like I'm sure many people who are listening or watching right now. And one of my dear friends, I absolutely love her, but she's wanting to, she's been wanting to, 
you know, hang out in, in a big group, like do a bonfire or something. And I've said like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to a restaurant with a bunch of people. I don't want to go to a bonfire with a bunch of people. I don't know if it's like you and I, or you and I with your significant other, like that's fine. Uh, but I'm not going to be going in a major group setting. So she's actually kind of eased back and she's like, Hey, let's hang out when we're all vaccinated and it's safe. So she was one of the first people I texted. I was like, Hey, just let you know, because you've been waiting for this day to hang out, uh, I am getting my vaccines, and by May, we're going to put it like this, like by, by May, like early May, we'll be good at that point. It's really just going to be scheduling, but as long as you all are safe and have all the precautions and I'm doing the same thing, we'll be all good. Uh, so that's been the silver lining there as well, too, where it feels like we're actually finally legitimately seeing a light at the end of the tunnel here at least over here i know unfortunately in many other places in many other countries it seems to just be numbers seem to be spiking again um so hopefully vaccines can roll out everywhere um but yeah that's what's been going on at least in in my world in regards to covid there now, there's been another thing that's been happening here as well, too, uh, which the last episode I had talked about this where I said, uh, I believe it was, yes, yes, it was the last episode because that was the March one, uh, where I said that I had found some kittens. Now, I think I left off where I said that I was going to be working with a local organization. We were going to do a whole TNR set up there, and I actually have the definition for that. It is trap, neuter, return. So the idea for that would be that you would think you could get, like, if there's a stray cat, like, I was one of the people who thought this, like, hey, you can get them, you can rehabilitate them, you can get them into new homes, and that can work if the cats are young enough. So, like, for example, if we ended up getting the mother cat and we got all the little kittens and the kittens were old enough to not require their mother's milk, but they were young enough to still be socialized... The mother cat, unfortunately, she wouldn't be able to be rehomed. She's feral. She's not socialized. She's super just sketching all over the place. Meanwhile, the kittens could most likely probably be socialized, rehabilitated, given all their shots, put into an animal shelter, and then adopted out and just rehomed. However, uh, with all the cats that we're dealing with, with not only the kittens now, because so much time has passed, but also the adult cats, because now in total there's about eight cats seven or eight cats that we are accounting for at the moment uh with all of them right now uh they're all unfortunately just counted as feral and even the kittens they are just old enough where they really can't be they they've left that socialization window so to speak i know there's people that will probably say oh you can still do it. you can still do it like maybe like you personally might be able to and it, it does take a lot of time like if you have like a, a kitten in your neighborhood and you can maybe work with it the thing is with you know these shelters and organizations they're not going to have that time to dedicate to you know one or two kittens on there unfortunately even here with you know four kittens they're not going to have that time because there's so many cats they need to deal with so what's been going on is we're doing this because with the whole trap neuter rescue you end up trapping them humanely of course completely humanely i've seen the traps i've tried them out myself i'm actually going to get to that uh then of course you take them to a spca or other place they end up neutering them they end up uh, one thing they do is they tag their ears, and I did not know about this, but I believe it's like the left ear, they just snip the tip of it off, so like their right ear is pointed, and their left ear is going to be kind of flat at the top, and that will show from a distance that they are neutered, 
and then they are returned back into their environment. So there are, you're still going to have a cat running around, but because it is neutered, uh, there's not going to be, you know, crazy territory fights. They're not going to go in heat. There's not going to be other babies running around as long as you get the entire colony of cats. Uh, also, it's going to help out with, you know, the local rat and mouse population because you're going to have cats running around taking care of them until they move on or until they pass away, whatever it might be. Uh, plus, I, I think they, even though they're feral, they'll probably be friendlier as well, too, uh, because a lot of cat behavior ends up changing after you end up getting them fixed. That's what I've seen from friends who have cats uh but regardless what happened was i've been uh, i've actually been working with one of my neighbors it's her and i and we're working with a bunch of other um just like you know other people who aren't local but who are a part of an organization who's helping out and we personally I, I wanted to get this done sooner, but I understand, you know, it's really volunteer work and such, so I haven't been rushing anything, and everyone's been busy, but we ended up expediting it. We were actually supposed to do this later in May, but we ended up expediting it to, as I'm recording this yesterday, so like Monday was the first time I set out a trap, because uh, what happened was I met up with my neighbor, and I ended up getting a few IP cameras. And they're, they're really good cameras, actually, I, I can even say. It's the WYZE, W-Y-Z-E, Cam 3. It's a little $30 camera. It's 1080p. It's great. It's really small. And uh, I've, set, I've set these two cameras up where cats are being fed. Um, so what happened was I met up with my neighbor. We started going through footage on these cameras, and we were kind of seeing which cats are coming, which cats are going, around what time everything is happening, because we also had to get them on a schedule of feeding as well, too. And one thing we noticed was the mother cat that, that kicked all this off for me, that started this off, the one that I found her kittens in my window well, she was getting fat. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, she's not owned, so I know she's not well-fed, and my neighbor has a lot of experience with like feral cats and kittens and all of that. So she said, oh, yeah, I was I was thinking I didn't want to say it, but I was thinking she's getting a little bit big. And, you know, kind of the timeline, it's been long enough that she could have gotten pregnant again. So I ended up messaging this uh, this organization I'm working with. I said, hey, um, we've started looking at the footage and we have kind of everything tracked down here as best we can. We know which cats are coming, which cats are going, and kind of a rough idea on there. The problem is the mom cat might be pregnant again. So we kind of just kicked it into overdrive where we said, hey, instead of doing everything in three and a half weeks, we need to start doing this now. Uh, even if we can't do, because the idea is you want to, you know, kind of do this over a few weeks, get the cats on a schedule, get them in one area, and then you set humane traps and you get all of them at once but you kind of have to go red alert when one of the cats is pregnant because when a cat is pregnant you might just exponentially increase the size of the colony in the neighborhood so this is all stuff that i've learned uh but what happened was uh we end up getting two of these traps and it's like you could even look up like a cat humane trap it's this kind of like really long rectangular just cage looking type trap and the way it's set up is that there's a trap door on one side and a door that you kind of slide in and out like a cartridge on the other and you're supposed to put some food like some really nice food uh, at the end of this trap and the idea would be the cat goes into this humane trap and as they're walking in there's going to be a step pedal 
that can just trigger really easily. But there's like a little step pedal right before the food. And as soon as they put any weight on that, the trap door ends up closing. And then the cat's, of course, going to freak out and everything. But what you do is you have to go and you get like a giant cloth or a giant towel or a blanket or something. And you put it over the cage like it's a bird. <laughs> like you're trying to calm down a bird. And then you pick up the cage uh, using a, uh, thankfully it has a handle on it. But you have to pick that up. And then you bring it back somewhere. And at this point, I now officially have one cat. <laughs> So last night we ended up trapping, uh, got nothing, and we had to pull them in at a certain point too because there could be raccoons that are in the area and such, which I did see a few trash pandas. But what happened this time around is this morning I set it out and nothing was really happening. And I want to say probably about three hours in, I looked outside and I saw this this black mass just freaking out inside of there. And sure enough, it was one of the kittens. Un unfortunately, we're we're trying. the The goal is right now the main one we want to get is the mother because we want to make sure that you know th that's that that, that more cat kittens aren't going to happen again. Um, but even on there, what happened was uh, I saw you know this one of the kittens there. And I immediately, thankfully, I knew what to do. I went over, I got, uh, all this was provided, thankfully, because there's just this giant network of volunteers and people who can supply and such. And it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I had to go. I had to cover the cat, like cover the cage, bring it into my garage. And from there, uh, the, the kitten's currently just in my garage in this trap. And I'm really working with other people right now where one person is going to be coming over actually immediately after I finish recording this episode. Uh, I'm quite literally doing this all before. Uh, like right before this, had work, took Lily out. Right now, doing this episode afterwards, going to be doing cat-related things. So we're just going to do some things to care for the kitten, like as in like feeding and some other stuff, uh, because I have to keep the kitten overnight. And then tomorrow, there's going to be a volunteer who's going to come, take the kitten, bring it to an SPCA. The kitten's going to get, you know, tagged and neutered and all that. And then the kitten will be brought back and released on there. Um, now, ideally, that's why it's better to do all the cats at once or get a large majority of them. Because the idea here is uh, you could scare off this cat, which if they don't come around, then that's good. Uh, but I'm not sure if they can scare off other cats. I'm sure they probably could. The other thing as well, too, is that you don't want to trap the same cat, which rarely happens, but we just don't want to get the same cat here. So that's what's been going on. Uh, my my life has been a lot more cats than I expected, which is fine. Like, I actually, I used to love cats. Now I like them. I think a part of it is I have a dog. I realize dogs are superior, you know, not fighting you on that. It's just, it's, it is what it is there. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, but when it comes down to it, um, I'm also allergic to cats. Uh, thankfully, if I, if I have one around, like right now, I haven't had any allergies or anything, but if I start, you know, petting a cat, that's when I start getting hives, I get itchy, I get all that. So there's a lot of times, even when I visit friends' houses, like if I pet a cat, I might like pet it with like my foot or something. Um, but I rarely pet a cat with my hands. And even if I do, it's within like five or 10 minutes, I start getting like hives on my hands. But even so, it's funny because I have friends who they feel bad. They're like, oh, I can, I can lock up the cat. I can, I'm like, and I just say, no, I, I like it. I like the cat here. Your cat's awesome. Your cat's really friendly. 
uh, I can't really help that I'm allergic to cats, but I don't want you to relinquish them. I'm not, I'm not scared of them. I don't dislike them. I'm just allergic. It is what it is. We'll be, we'll be fine. I can just not breathe properly for a few hours. It's all good. So that's, what's been going on the whole cat update there. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to share another experience here because this has been something that was, uh, this was interesting to me and, I was going to roll it into the COVID update, but I'll just roll with it here. I ended up visiting uh, some family here recently and uh, this past month. And what happened was at one point I took one of my younger brothers over to a GameStop so he could see, you know, if there was a game he wanted to buy or something. And, you know, I have not been, I realized it when I was there, I have not been in a GameStop uh, since before the pandemic. So it had been well over a year since I entered foot in a GameStop, and I was really surprised. Like, I'm sure other people who've gone there, they, they might be hearing this. Maybe it's a surprise to you, uh, but either way, I went there, and I was certainly surprised because they said that, uh, like, we came in, and you have to wear a mask, which I have no issue with that. Now, one rule, which I didn't really hear because the guy was kind of mumbling at the beginning, uh, and then it was kind of reiterated at the end, and it, it was fine. I... <laughs> I made up for it by buying this game, uh, but what happened was there is actually a rule at this GameStop I went to where they said you can't touch anything, uh, so they don't have like the kiosks on, but they said even controllers, uh, any display unit stuff, shirts, uh, like games, for like literally games, like game cases, if you see Super Mario Party on the Switch, all you can do is look at it. You cannot touch it. Uh, if you want that copy of the game, you have to go up to the front and you have to let them know, hi, I'd like a new or used copy of Super Mario Party on Switch, and then they can check you out. But it is quite literally window shopping. And it was it was weird, and it wasn't as fun doing that because you, you literally have them right in front of you. It's not like even like a glass, like at Walmart, for example, or any other place that have a glass case. That makes sense. But GameStop, you have everything right in front of you. And, and you want to look and see if there's a manual in there, if that's the only copy they have, what the back looks like, you know, some some information about the game. You you want to do all that. At least I want to. I want to, That's part of the magic of going to a game store. You get to pick up the cases and look at everything and truly experience that. So I was kind of treating it like that and then right before we were leaving the guy was like oh hey man uh you're you're not supposed to touch anything i was like oh i'm i'm sorry about that he said no i mean now i gotta now i gotta sanitize it and i even joked i was like what if i buy it is that okay he said i guess it's okay i need to check if i have a copy of the game and it was hades on switch and he looked, he said, that's my only copy, man. I said, that's fine. Uh, I want to buy it. Like, I, I actually do want to buy this game, so it works out for you. So I brought the case up to the front, and he popped it in, and I asked about that. He said, yeah, we've been doing this since the beginning, at least over here. We've, uh, you know, we, you just, you can come in here, you can't touch. And I'm just so tired, man. I'm so tired of repeating to people and telling them over and over that they can't be touching things. Because even when you guys go, I'm, I'm going to have to disinfect this entire store. So that was just... That was a really interesting experience to me because, uh, I again, I had not been to a GameStop uh, at all during this. But I don't know. Let me know of how game shops or game stores are like in your area because Walmart I don't really go to. And Target is like the only other place I could think of I've I've been to that sells video games and such. That I've like gone to the electronics section 
and they didn't seem to have any of those restrictions. Uh, now, they do have, like, games in kind of like a case there, but even, like, the display copy you can look at but i've i've never seen a, a um, restriction like that at a GameStop. and lord i mean they're they're always they're always understaffed they're gonna have one maybe two people there and they have to clean all the time and like i ooh, i feel bad i really do feel bad so hopefully i, I might have <laughs> hopefully i made that guy's day a little bit easier where i was just like hey don't worry the game that you see me touching i am gonna buy this and i did buy it so that's what's been going on here now, one thing I also talked about last month that I wanted to discuss on here was the PlayStation Network stores closing. Now, for anybody who did not know, this was in regards to what Sony was doing, where they announced that they were going to be, I wouldn't say taking offline, but they were going to be severely restricting the PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, and PlayStation Portable storefronts uh, on any of those systems. First of all, and this is a good thing that people brought up as well too, first of all, these storefronts, you can't even access them on the web anymore. Now, from what I've seen, there's actually a plugin out there. I think it's called like Valkyrie plugin or like Valkyrie PSN store plugin. I think it's on Firefox. And you can actually install that plugin and go to the PlayStation Network store on your desktop or laptop, and with that plugin, you can browse the stores on desktop again, because Sony has officially removed that that ability. So even without that plugin, before that plugin, but during this time, if you wanted to buy games on the PS3 or Vita or PSP shops, you had to use the actual console to do so. And if you've used those, well, first of all, uh, good luck getting a Vita on your Wi-Fi connection if you have a modern-day router. Well, not a Vita, a PSP, excuse me. But if you have a Vita, the Vita store, there's, uh, you know, a lot of things that are broken on there. Like, you might just, like, be looking at icons for games, and it just shows, like, a corrupted icon or a broken icon. And the PS3, like, PSN store is just so slow. It's so slow, it's slow, so clunky to use. It's really not the best. So they weren't even great experiences to begin with, and I'm, I'm sure that can deter a lot of people from purchasing things. Um, but even so, uh, on, on top of this, you've even had other things combined where you had uh, people are now discovering that there's been game updates that have gone missing that you can no longer download uh, there was of course that big cmos battery issue where in short I, I talked about this on mod chat but in short it's been discovered if you assume you do not have access to playstation network or playstation network servers go down for the ps3 it has a cmos battery in there the cmos battery keeps time on the motherboard it's for the ps3 4 and 5 here that i'm talking about the ps3 uh, if that if you cannot make a connection and the battery dies, you cannot play any of your digital content. Uh, physical game discs will still work, but your actual digitally downloaded games will not work until you sync up the real-time clock. For the PlayStation, and, and of course, you can bypass that. You can pretty much, you know, either relicense or even fix your clock if you modify your system. And the same thing goes for the PlayStation 4. However, the PlayStation 4 seems to be the worst, where it will lock your digital titles as well as your physical titles as well, too. So even if you have a physical copy of the game and it's a complete game on disc, it can play right out of the box, it will not boot on the PlayStation 4. The PlayStation 5, I can't test this because I don't have one, but the PlayStation 5 seems to have this effect on digital games and there's kind of a 
issue there. By that, I mean there seems to be certain criteria with it. It might do with some digital games. It might not with other digital games. It might depend on your system. It might depend on the game. There's there's a lot more testing that needs to be done on the PS5, but I guess I can say it can impact digital games. Physical games seem to be fine, so the PS5 seems to do a better job of it, but the PS4 seems to be the absolute worst when it comes to this. But either way, this issue ended up blowing up as well too on social media with all of this. And I've even heard this said as well too, where um, it, this was a really bad look for Sony even when announcing the store closures, because it's like, hey, uh, we're going to be shutting down all these other digital storefronts, and guess what one of the premier consoles we're selling right now is? Yeah, it's a PlayStation 5 without a disk drive. What do you think about that? <laughs> so I, I'm sure that was not great for the diskless PS5. Uh, I would not even recommend getting the diskless PS5. Uh, <laughs> however, even uh, with the update issue, and I'll get right back into the stores, the update issue, that was the other tangent on here as well too, where there's just very simple, there's many games where you can't download the update patches for them anymore. And I think this is an issue that's been going on for a while. And Adam Korlick, he even in his C-bomb, that's what's been called the C-bomb issue, in his video, he actually talked about this. And he said, guys, this, this update issue with certain game patches not being downloadable, it's not a new issue. It's been going on for a while. The problem is people are just now noticing, but it's been very slowly creeping up because like one year, one update can't be downloaded. Then another year, two more game updates can't be downloaded. Then another year, five games, their updates can't be downloaded. And they just take away a little bit every single year, but now there's such a microscope that was compounded because of all of this um, that this ended up happening here. Now, the good news is, with the uh, PlayStation Store update, Sony has mostly reversed course. What they did was they decided, hey, we've been listening to, you know, feedback on here. We've seen the passion on this, and we've decided we're going to let the PS3 and PS Vita stores stay, uh, meaning that they weren't ever going to fully go down. Uh, what I was saying before was there was going to be a cutoff date. I believe it was going to be July for PSP and like July something for PSP and PS3 and then August for PS Vita. And when that cutoff date came, any games that you had purchased already, as long as you still had internet access and you can access the network and you had the account that had those games purchased on there, you could re-download them. However, you could not buy any new content is what the big deal was after that date. So if somebody ended up getting a PlayStation Vita for December of 2021, let's say they decided to finally experience it for the first time, they couldn't purchase a single thing on the digital storefront. They could only go physically unless they ended up wanting to resort to piracy on there. So that's how it was going to be restricted. So the PS3 is still going to stay up for some time. The Vita is still going to stay up for some time. I think this is simply bought time. I would not be surprised if we see Sony attempt to take these down again within the next three to five years. I would not be surprised at all if we see that. The PSP, I noticed nobody's really talking about that. And everyone seems to be kind of okay with that. And and I'm kind of one of those people who's in that camp as well, too. Like I've said, like, hey, guys, don't forget, uh, Sony's still taking down one of the stores. Come July, like after July something, you're not going to be able to buy anything on the PSP. The reason why I'm saying most people seem to be okay with that is because it's kind of been like that for a while, honestly. 
<laughs> like, and the main issue is it's because of the PSP hardware where it's kind of difficult to get it connected to a modern router at this point. Yes, I know there's ways to do it and you can tether on your phone, you can do other stuff. But the point is like for the past seven to eight years for modern routers, it's been a little bit difficult to get a PSP connected. So you might have to resort to using an older router and an older encryption setup and getting your PSP connected over there and then going through that. And a lot of people don't want to do that. So most people have who, who have actively been using the PSP have just been staying offline on the PSP. That's been most people for the past several years. But for the Vita and the PS3, those are still very much internet-based devices. Um, I would say those were like the first big ones, especially the PS3. The PS3 is probably the first system. Yeah, the Xbox 360, that did come out earlier. But I'd say the PS3 had a much heavier reliance on PlayStation Network and on patches and such than the 360 and especially the Wii had, um, where the 360, like, yeah, later on in its life cycle, I would say so, but out of the box, the PS3 just seemed super optimized for online. It's like, you really got to take this thing online to make full experience of it right out of the box, day one release. Uh, while as, you know, the PSP and the DS, those systems, they really benefited with all the local play, and it seemed like going online was, you know, a nice positive really you have to remember as well too this is like 2004 when the psp came out for example so having a portable internet browser like in your hand was a huge 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 deal right there <laughs> so i think i think that's just been a little different there but the psp storefront is still going down most people seem to be okay with it because we're just kind of sweeping it under the rug but i think even unfortunate to sony here one thing this did speed up for them and i myself you know I, I have videos about this i'm a modder i enjoy modifying my systems and such um but i i will say it's something you know game companies aren't really going to enjoy because of course it can lead to modding online it can lead to piracy it can lead to all of that and it's just responsibility with how you're going to use it i'm one of those people i purchase my games i believe in backing up your content not you know going out and pirating every single thing even in my videos i show games that i legitimately have like i have the discs i've gone out i've paid money for this and i'm making a backup of that so i can preserve that disc and preserve that data myself and you know have easier access to it and such so that's kind of where my stance is on there but this is sped up uh jailbreaking just exponentially for these systems because there's been so many people who uh on you know the psp that's been fine by fine i mean like nobody's getting banned for modding their psp the ps vita you have to really, 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 really try hard to get your PS Vita banned. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's safe. I'm not saying it has never happened or never will happen. But I've rarely seen... Uh, actually, I haven't even seen it personally. I just know that people who get banned for having a modded Vita... Uh, again, I don't even know who has. I just know it's happened. That's all I can tell you. I just know it's happened. But I don't even know exactly how. Uh, that's been kind of like clear and ignored for the most part but the playstation 3 uh sony is still banning for that they are banning console ids they're even banning accounts as well too on the playstation 3 so at least i'm sure a lot of it i'm pretty sure a lot of that banning is really automated systems on there but the, those systems are still firing on the playstation 3 
Uh, and it just depends on, you know, when it might happen and what have you. Because sometimes, it seems like sometimes it might be happening more often than other times. But regardless on there, when it comes to the PlayStation 3 itself, uh, especially that, a lot of people, I've seen many, many people say, hey, it looks like you can jailbreak the PS3. This looks really cool. This looks awesome. This is something I'm interested in, uh, but I'm not going to jailbreak my PS3 until end of life. And at that point, I'll just jailbreak it and I'll keep it offline and I can do whatever I want to. And this announcement was end of life for a lot of people. The PSP has been modded for eons. At this point, if you if you haven't if you've owned a PSP in the past 10 years and it was not modded, I don't know what you <laughs> I don't know why you owned a PSP. In all honesty, I don't want to carry around all those UMDs, all right? I don't want to hear that disc. I don't want to deal with that. Um, so the PSP was like expected. You have a PSP, it's modded. It was like peanut butter and jelly. It was like salt and pepper. Uh, when it came to the Vita, a lot of people were getting that system and were modding it uh, kind of out of interest, kind of out of necessity, because even so, you don't want to spend a ton of money on the proprietary storage. So you modify your Vita, and then you get an SD to Vita, and then you get a micro SD card, and then boom, you're able to get, you know, as opposed to paying, I don't know, $120 for a 64 gigabyte proprietary card, you end up paying $70 for a 400 gigabyte micro SD card, and you're set at that point. I'm sure they're even less now at this point. Uh, however, the PS3, I noticed that was a big holdoff for many people. And there's still people, I'm sure, that held off. But when that first announcement came out, that when they said we're shutting down the PlayStation Network store, a lot of people threw in the towel. Or a lot of people even went into their basement and dug up that PS3 and wiped the dust off it and said, All right, that does it. This is now my official excuse to jailbreak my PS3. And I'm sure a lot of people ended up, you know, pirating games on the system as well, too. Um, I'm just going to be honest there. That's, again, something I I don't have, you know, <laughs> I don't support that on here. I don't promote that like any of the pirate shops or any of those methods. So, 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 so many people have asked, can you cover this app? Can you cover this site? Can you cover how to do this? Can I, I downloaded this? Can you help out? And nope, don't do any of that at all. I, I show my own stuff. I show the backup on there. That's it. However, I'm sure a lot of people are doing that because even I know some people such as Jim Sterling, they had this uh, this opinion about it as well, too, where they were saying, hey, if uh, Sony thinks that if Sony doesn't value this stuff, then we don't have to value it either. If they're not going to allow us if they're explicitly telling us, hey, after this date, you only have a few months after this date here, but we're, we're not going to allow you to pay for all this stuff, that's fine. You can still play it, but don't pay for it. Just go in. Just it, Point is, he's saying there, morally, he thinks it's okay to you know pirate all of Sony's content if they're going to treat it in that way. And if you want to believe that, that's fine. If you don't want to believe that, that's fine as well, too. I'm not even going to debate that there. I just kind of want to share, I'm sure, what a lot of people were thinking in regards to it. But even so, I know there were just several people where they said, yeah, my PS3 is old. I need to, I'm going to jailbreak this thing. I'm going to rip all my discs on here as well, too. Make sure it's all nice and tidied up. Adjust the fan speeds, all that stuff. Just make sure it's all good to go. But what I'm saying here is, a lot of people use this as the final push to modify their Vita and their PS3. And then I'm sure many people had also pirated games on those systems as well, too. And Sony has backtracked on this issue, which that's great. I applaud Sony. Keep in mind, this is probably going to come back. This is probably going to happen again. This will happen again. 
not even probably, this will be happening again. Do not be surprised within the next three to five years if we end up seeing this here, if this is, if they announce another store closure. Uh, but all those systems that got modded because of the initial response, uh, they're not going to be unmodded. They're not going to be reverted back to stock firmware. People have now installed those mods. They've experienced the cool stuff that you can do with a modified Vita or PS3, and they're not going to be back, going back to stock on there. <laughs> so I, I think a part of that's kind of inevitable as well, too, especially now with uh, the Vita being probably the last handheld we'll see from Sony and being at least a generation old, you can say, you can argue with whichever it's going to be on there it could be a generation or two old and with the ps3 being two, two generations old and even the vita there but not vita the psp being two maybe three generations old depending on where you want to argue where you want to put it so yeah that's how that all goes <laughs> um let's see i i did want to talk about you know what i want to talk about uh taking lily to the vet so some people might have seen, I had posted this on social media, just on, uh, I think it was just Twitter and Instagram, uh, but there was a photo I put up where there was a very happy Lily who was smiling back at me, and Lily's my dog, and you could see my arm, and it just had a giant slice and, like, blood just coming out of this slice. <laughs> it was a scratch, it wasn't a slice, but uh, either way... I put that up just to show, hey, this is how it is taking a dog to the vet that doesn't really like to be restrained and such. Because for anyone who doesn't know, I got Lily when she was two years old, and she was not trained or not properly socialized at all. She was, uh, apparently her backstory is uh, another family had her, they got her as a puppy, they just put her on a chain and left her outside most of the time. If it was too cold, they put her in their basement. The only thing they taught her was her name. They did not take her to the vet. They didn't really do all too much with her. And then by the time they end up bringing her into the shelter and rel relinquish care of her, their reasoning was that she was too much of a hassle or something, or she took up too much time. They didn't have time for her, which I kind of find hard to believe because she is an extremely low-maintenance dog. But when they brought her in, she had ticks, she had fleas, she was pregnant somehow, she had uh, heartworms as well too. So all of a sudden, within a few months, they had to, you know, take care of her. They had to deliver her puppies. They had to fix her. They had to give her medicated baths. They had to get her updated on two years worth of shots. So they just had to do so much to her. And she was sick. She was sick with heartworms when I got her. That's a very serious thing as well too. Get you know, For your pets, take care of heartworms. You don't want them to get it. Get them on a damn heartworm preventative. All right. That stuff actually works. But what happened was, um, a part of that is she doesn't, there's certain things she doesn't like. So she's not a fan of being picked up. She tolerates kind of hugs and stuff, but it's one of those things I kind of have to battle with her a little bit. Like when I have to pick her up and bring her into the bathroom for a bath, um, typically I, I have like certain things for doing that. Like for a bath, I noticed I'll do it later in the day. Uh, I might take her on like a one hour walk. So when she ends up putting up a fight, she's hungry and she's tired and she just barely fights me. She resists a little bit, but I'm able to pick her up and bring her into the bathtub and clean her up. And then afterwards I feed her. So there's things like that that you can work around with. But either way, uh, my vet has figured one of the best ways to deal with her is to just sedate her because they have to look at her teeth. Like we have to even muzzle her, but part of that is we have to muzzle her, but they have to look at her teeth. 
you can't do both bowls at the same time. So they have to look at her teeth. They have to inspect her body. They have to squeeze and poke at different places. They have to draw blood. Uh, she's she's even way worse than me with needles. And I'd mentioned earlier that I don't like needles. Oh, that's going to come back as well, too. So what happened was uh, what they tried to do is <laughs> we essentially have to it is a process It is a multi-person process and it takes a while but essentially we have to get a few people and i first muzzle her because lily will trust me so i end up getting a muzzle on her and then i kind of have to distract her and i like give her peanut butter and stuff and one person has to come and kind of take a blanket and put it on her and restrain her so you have to like cover up her face and restrain her with this blanket but then she's going to be like wiggling around and going all over the place like a tasmanian devil and then another person has to come in and kind of around her butt, they have to give her a shot. And that's a sedative. And within about 10 minutes, she is zonked out. She is gone. You cannot wake this dog up. And from there, they can do everything. But the hardest part is just getting the sedative there. And even the, the vets are just like, yeah, it's so quick. It's so quick. It's just, it's, it's a little thing. It just takes us two seconds. I'm like, yeah, but we have to work like 20 minutes to get to this point. So, uh, it's it's an experience every single time uh they didn't even have it noted down so even prior to this uh, i'd actually even call them up and i was like hey uh is there anything you want me to do any medicine you want me to give anything you want me to like not feed her whatever any other rituals because they didn't have this document i'm like no her, my vet is pretty familiar with her but i want to make sure you all are prepared as well too uh, and, and then they got it all noted down on, on what to do and what they might have to do and all of that. So, uh, either way there, what ended up happening is at one point, uh, when they were trying to, cause it took like three or four times of restraining her before we actually got the sedative in. And at one point when they were grabbing her, I think I was helping out and Lily just kind of, you know, she kind of like jumped up and just, you know, turned into the Tasmanian devil and her paws went everywhere and her nails ended up scratching me multiple places but i got a real nice one that looks like an l actually just like a real long l on my left arm so actually even i guess l for left arm i can i can tell at that point in case i ever forget but i mean i got like some scratches on my hand on my other arm uh thankfully like none on my face or any other parts of my body but it was really funny because even with that uh, my, my vet, they're very clean. They're taking all the precautions. They're all good. Uh, and I was calm with it. And even like, I was using like a really happy voice and talking like this, you know, staying positive, like, you know, dealing with Lily. But what happened was they felt really bad. They're like, Oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. You got scratched. I'm like, it's fine. It's my dog. She scratched me. I'd rather she scratched me than scratch you all. Can I please though? Can I, can I get band-aids? Because in my head, I was like, I'm out in a public place in a public area and I have an open wound. And there's still COVID that and all that that's going on. Like, I, I I need to get this all cleaned up. So they end up bringing out some ointment, and I end up applying it. I, I apply the ointment on. But because of the way, I there was a ton of small Band-Aids. They didn't have any large ones. And because of the way the scratch was, I pretty much had to apply, like, 10 Band-Aids that somebody even said looked like thermal pads. <laughs> So it just, it looked, it looked like I was trying to cover up and put thermal pads on a bunch of ram blocks that were all over my arm. Um, so that, that was real nice, but I ended up putting those on. I had to use probably like 20 band-aids just all over myself. Uh, but then when we finally ended up getting it, 
we pretty much got her all restrained with the blanket. And that was the other thing too. I even told him, I was like, please wash that blanket. I accidentally got blood on it. It brushed across my arms. There's blood on there. You all need to wash that like immediately. Um, but what happened was she got restrained. We kind of had her in a corner and I was holding her as well too. And then it was myself and the vet that were holding Lily down. And then there was a tech that was coming in and Oh my God, you all, again, I hate needles. And I told them this, I said, I hate needles. I hate needles, but I'll help you all out. And the tech comes in and the only way she can bring the sedative needle is pretty much directly in front of my face, like inches away from my face and right around where my hands are. And I was just instantly thinking, oh my God, what if she ends up scratching me with a needle? What if she injects it into me? Whatever it is, I, I do not want to deal with this here. Um, because the, the other very real thing is Lily can jump off again. She can run away. She can kick. She can do any number of things. Uh, and that that's had before as well, too. So I was like, yeah, th this can go wrong extremely fast. We just need half a second and this can get messed up here. Like somebody else can get poked and jabbed with this needle. So I saw it and I just like, I can't even describe it. I just, I just like cold came over me. And when I figured I, I end up getting out of the way. I'm, I got my hands off. I moved out of the way. So we, the, the tech and I ended up pretty much switching roles. Even when I was still supposed to hold her down. Cause I was like, yeah, you two are the professionals. You're going to handle this. And afterwards I even told her that like, as Lily was like waiting for the sedative to kick in, I even told the vet that and well, the vet and the tech, and they started laughing the text like, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. It's just, there was no other way for me to get the needle. I know you told me you don't like needles. You can't deal with them. And literally the only way to get it to your dog was like directly in front of your face. And I was like, it's fine. We're done with it. But yeah, I just, I didn't want to get poked. I didn't want to deal with anything. Um, but then the good thing was, again, they end up leaving the room, and within about 10 minutes, Lily was looking real funny. She uh, she ended up taking a nice long nap, and then they end up using a reversal to kind of get it out of her. And the, the only effects they had were uh, she didn't have her... She, she was walking kind of funny because, in their words, Lily was kind of seeing elephants at that point. She was seeing pink elephants everywhere, and she completely lost her appetite. But later on that evening, uh, I was trying to give her treats and stuff. She wouldn't have anything. Later on that evening, though, um, she did end up, like, motioning to me. And she was trying to tell me that she was hungry. So I was like, okay, cool. You got your appetite back. Uh, but, man, you know, shout out to vets. Really shout out to vets. And if you have a, if you have a pet, please make sure you, you take them for the regular checkups. I know there's some that you can kind of get away with not doing that as much. I know, like, some of the, the smaller animals, especially if you have, like, a dog or a cat, Make sure you were taking them to the vet. Uh, my thing is as well, too, it might sound a little harsh, but I'm just going to say, I know some people might say, oh, like for my cat or my dog, like I can't afford a vet or I can't afford this medicine or something, or even just, let's just say it with the vet, like I can't afford, you know, going to the vet this time. It's like, well, when it comes down to it, you need to spend so much money per year, like feeding and taking basic care of your cat or dog. And in my opinion, if you can't pay to take your cat or dog to a yearly checkup, you cannot afford to have a cat or dog um, or else you're going to run into something. You're going to run into something like what I what Lily had before, where you might have a dog that is going to be sick, that's going to have issues, um, that is going to go two years straight. The first two years of Lily's life. Again, she never saw a vet the first two years of her life and she was in awful, terrible condition. 
by the time she got to see her first vet and she was given up. Thank goodness she was given up. Thank goodness she is no longer owned by those previous owners, but... Oh, well. All right. So I think I have one more thing I want to share here. Now, this is uh, this is time where I share game store stories and I might do one, maybe two. We'll see how I feel. But for anybody who does not know, from ages 16 to 18, I, lo- I worked at a local video game store. Uh, and in short, it was uh, the the best and worst job at the same time. Uh, it was a, a good first job to have, but it was also services and uh, retail. And it definitely changed my tune a lot about retail. I have tons of respect for retail workers now and people in the service industry uh, just because of that job. And it taught me a good work ethic as well, too. And I worked at a game store, so that was nice. Uh, but either way, let's see. Oh, I'm, I'm going to go with this one here. I'm going to go with this because this might be a few rolled into one. So there was a there was a kid who ended up working there who was maybe about a year older than me. Now, I worked there again from 16 to 18. And this kid, he was awkward. He did not have any proper work ethic or social skills. He was nice, but he was just super awkward. And we're going to call him Jerry. How about that? We'll call him Jerry. Uh, That's not his real name, but I'm just changing it here. So this was the first time I ever met Jerry. It was, when was it? When was it? When was it? It was Black Friday. That's it. I think it was Black Friday 2010. And we decided to open up the store early. And I went in there, and we were, thankfully, we weren't going to be, you know, running thin. Uh, It was myself. It was my manager. It was the other guy who wasn't very good, who I talked about in the last episode. Uh, It was maybe one other employee. And then, as we're opening, the guy who wasn't very good, he looks out. He's like, oh, my God, not this kid. I was like, wait, what? And I see, like, this kid kind of, like, you know, pacing out front of the store, just looking a little bit awkward. And I was like, what, what's going on? He's like, no, no, we have to work with this kid. You got to be kidding me. And I'm like, what, what's going on? And that was Jerry. Now, what was so bad about Jerry? You all might be asking. Well, you see, Jerry was a favor hire and my boss, unfortunately did this with many people. He hired many people as favors because my boss, he owned the store, but he also had another full-time job and he had, you know, other coworkers, other friends and such. So there was, I'm just kind of thinking here, there was one girl who was hired who was a favor because it was like his coworker's daughter. There was another girl who worked there who was his coworker's daughter. Um, There was this kid, Jerry. My boss was dating someone, and this woman he was dating uh, had another job, completely unrelated to any of this. And she had a boss, of course, and her boss had a kid, which was Jerry. So Jerry was kind of a sympathy favor hire. And there were so many times we had qualified people who would have been willing to work, who could have gotten in on this. Um... But then, no, we end up going with sympathy hires, which sometimes were good. Sometimes were good, but most of the time were not very good. (laughs) And I would say Jerry was probably the worst out of any of these sympathy hires. So what happened is, for example, uh, even as basic as this, like, granted, we weren't really training him super well, but at the same time, I think he had worked one, one or two other times before, and he just wasn't really getting the stuff. And then, my God, it's like, I don't know why. 
he got assigned to work. I'm still getting heated about it. Oh my God. I don't know why he got assigned to work on Black Friday because we were super busy and it was kind of like Jerry just kind of took up space. And even I would t- like, we would tell him, just like, Hey, Jerry, can you do this? Can you get this? Can you ring this up? And he didn't know how to do anything. He didn't eat, but, but even just like basic stuff, like even some people might think I'm being a little bit hard, but even some like this. All right. When let's say I worked at a game store, which I was working there. If you end up calling, if I hear the phone ring, I would pick up the phone and I'd say something like, uh, thank you for calling local video game store. This is Danny. How may I help you? And it it was something like that. We didn't do any of the pre-order stuff. I I think we might've said, um, yeah, I don't even think we did any of the pre-order stuff. It was just something basic like that. It was just like, hi, uh, thank you for calling local video game store located on, you know, this street. This is Danny. How may I help you today? And there was one time we were all busy. Like I was testing a system. Uh, one guy was checking out people. Another guy was checking out people. Another person was doing trade-ins and Jerry was standing like doing nothing. And the phone is ringing and my manager passed the phone. He's like, dude, Jerry, pick up the phone. So he picks it up and he says, hello. It's, like your mother's calling or like like one of your friends is calling or like you're getting a random number and that's not an editing mistake i I was just i was truly silent right there because i'm trying to find a way to rationalize this if anybody again thinks that this might be a little bit hard here you might not have worked and just just you know what just call call any service call up gamestop call up eb games call up a food place you're not going to ever hear anybody pick up at a, at a local business and just say hello they're going to introduce the business they're going to maybe introduce themselves they're going to have some kind of intro on there uh and it's it's one of those things you would think even before you ever work a job that's how you would answer the phone but there was a lot of little things that jerry did and you know what even if he wasn't the best employee, it's fine. Even if he was a little awkward, it's fine. I can be awkward as well, too. And I'm going to deal with awkward people all the time in a job like this, of course. Uh, but maybe one of the worst things that I knew of Jerry doing, I did not see this. And this is, again, just, I don't know where the, lo- I, yo, you all, I don't know where the logic is here. I honestly don't know where the logic is. I don't know. It's just like the phone, but even worse, because there's money involved at this point. Um... Apparently, we had two locations, and the second store was the bigger and better one and the busier one. The first store was a little bit more low-key, so sometimes when Jerry kind of wanted to work or, like, my boss wanted to have Jerry put in, like, a few sympathy hours, he would put him at the first store with somebody else, and he they would tell that person, like, dude, just, you can let Jerry do small things like, you know clean up games or shelf things uh but but you know just kind of just babysit him you know you don't have to let him do anything important so i guess what happened was there was one time and actually most of the time it was my boss my boss would be working at the first store so sometimes he would just have jerry come and be like hey jerry just come in for like three hours come in for like four hours and my boss would do all the important stuff you could say I guess there was one time, though, my boss is in the back doing something, and there was a guy who was, you know, he was shopping, he was doing his thing, and he ended up getting about $100 worth of video games, and he brings them up, and he said, yeah, I'd like to get these games, so Gary, so Jerry takes the cases, 
and he goes to the back area because we had the disc separated and he's able to thankfully find this one's on Xbox. This one starts with a C. All right, there we go. Call of Duty. He was able to find all the games just fine. He put the discs from the little portable cases we had into their long box cases just fine. Then he started scanning them in and all the games registered just fine on the POS system. Um, and I'm not calling it piece of shit, like POS is in point of sale. Um, now, <laughs> there was even jokes about that as well, too. Like the software that was used, I always found this funny. The software was called Extreme POS, and I just, <laughs> I always found that a little funny. Always got a little joke out of it. Uh, but regardless, he scans everything in, and it's like, okay, this is like $110.27 worth of change for these games. Now, if it was cash, it would have been fine. Now, this guy ended up paying with a, with a credit card, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with, with paying for a credit card, you know? It's, it's going to be probably safer than doing cash as well, especially, you know, if there's a fraudulent charge or what have you. Uh, you can rack up some real nice miles, or like if you have one of those cards, you can get some points. You know, it's all good. Like, if you want to pay with a credit card, that's fine. And we had a newer credit card system at our second store. The first store actually had like a separate like phone line for it where you had to take the credit card and pop it into a separate credit card machine. And then you'd have to, you know, put in the last four of the credit card and let it sit there and churn through and, you know, process. And then a piece of paper would come out and you'd give it to the person with a pen. They'd sign it. You'd give it back, staple, all that stuff. So essentially on the second store, you had one system to do the credit card processing, the first store, you had two systems because you had one system for the actual like inventory and purchasing, and the second system was only for credit cards. Um, that makes sense there. Jerry didn't know how to do the credit card system. Nobody showed him. Which, okay. Okay, that's fine. Alright? Uh, that's my boss's fault for not training him or telling anybody else to train him how to run a credit card. Sure. So you would think, Jerry's not there by himself. My boss was in the back. I think he was probably fixing up a game console. You would think maybe Jerry would be like, hey, wait right here. And he'd go back and be like, hey, uh, this customer has a credit card. I need to ring it. And then, you know, either the boss can tell him how to do it or the boss will probably just come out and ring the credit card himself. What do you think happened? Audience that can't, like, reply directly to me, just, just just sit there and just think a little bit. What do you think Jerry did? Now that enough time has passed, Jerry didn't know how to run the credit card system, and instead of trying it out, which can be dangerous, I, I wouldn't advise that, instead of trying out the credit card system, instead of asking for another proof of purchase or another way of purchasing, instead of getting my boss, he just kind of said, uh, well, I, I, I don't know how to run the credit card system, so, uh, here's your games. And he gave this dude about $100 worth of games. So, th th this customer got a phenomenal deal, because they were all ready to go. Uh, you know what? It wouldn't have surprised me. Maybe they even thought of going back to the shelf and getting a few more games. And then coming back. But they, they decided not to be greedy. But no, they picked up a nice stack of games they brought to the front. The employee was trying to, I don't even know, they, they, were, they wanted to pay the employee to purchase these games. And the employee just said, uh, nope, here's your games. And then the customer didn't do anything wrong. 
they were like, oh, well, if you're okay, if you're just going to give me these free games, thank you. Have a nice day. Uh, because I mean, that's what's happened before at other shops with other things. Like you might get like a soda or some food for free from a, a for, from a store or anything. Um, it can certainly happen. That was the last, there was one other time and I'm not going to get into it. Uh, maybe I can sell that for another story, but officially, cause the other time was kind of unofficial, but officially that's the last time Jerry ever worked for the shop. Uh, because he gave out over $100 worth of games. Because he wouldn't ask how to run the credit card machine. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Can't believe it. <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it. Uh, I'm sorry you all. Uh, last episode and this episode. Last episode I totally forgot to uh, bring up what games I've been playing. This time around... Uh, I, I didn't bring it as well either. I'm actually going a little bit over. And like I said, I have something. I have to deal with some cats right now. Uh, so I'm a, a little bit crunched for time here. But uh, next episode, I am going to hope to have someone on. I'll see who I'm going to invite on. And hopefully we'll talk about some video game stuff, what we're talking about. You all already heard that I've been talking about playing Hades. So that's what I've been uh, doing a little bit. I've also been playing a little bit, trying to wrap up, uh, you know, Ring Fit Adventure. I'm like, finally at the end, I guess we're doing it. You know, finally at the end of Ring Fit Adventure. I'm trying to wrap up Murder by Numbers. I just picked up It Takes Two. I'm playing that with a friend. That is amazing. One of the most creative games I've played in years. Such a good game. Such a good game. Now, uh, wrapping this episode up here, typically I like to pick a keyword for this episode. And if you use this keyword in a comment on the YouTube upload, I will know that you made it to the end. So I'm just looking around here. And how about RAM? If you use the word RAM in the episode, uh, in the comments of this upload of the episode on YouTube, I will know that you made it to the end. How many gigabytes of RAM do you have on your computer? How many megabytes of RAM do you have on your computer? How many kilobytes of RAM did your first computer have? Did you end up getting rammed by another car when you were at a stoplight and this car didn't know that it was a stoplight? Did you accidentally end up ramming another car? If you use the word RAM somehow in your comment, I will know that you made it to the end of this episode. Anyways, that is about it for this episode of Mario's Minute. Thank you so much for listening and watching, everyone. And until next month.